0: Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm to table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forged Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with producer, engineer, mixer, drummer, and audio visual technician. Please welcome Jack O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on and, and making the time. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good to talk to you people in the the audio realm, the music realm. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, but before we get too deep, I want to start off with, "What's your story? What's the Jack O'Connell story? Uh, Where would you grow up?" And you know, we'll we'll start off there, and then um, I got a few more bullet points in there. Sure. Um,
1: yes. Yeah, so, uh, born and raised in uh, Baltimore City, uh, grew up in Hamden, and then when I was six, uh, moved to Towson, and yeah, uh, lived there till. I graduated college, and my mom uh, moved to the Eastern Shore, and I um, started living on my own and kind of bounced around uh, suburbs of Towson, White Marsh, Cockeysville, Parkville, and um, now I'm in Canton. Uh, So, Yeah,
0: (laughs) I've been all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, not not far from my neck of the woods. That's, that's really cool. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen one uh, of those, those lines uh, that I'll probably ask later about some of the performances and some of the work you've done in the city. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, so... Describe like your creative background because I, I see that music has been very much a big part of your life from you know the single digit ages <laughs> to uh, to yeah. now. So like if you will, could you describe your creative background and um, and if you will, what do you enjoy most about playing music?
1: Sure, yeah. Um. So I can remember, I can remember loving music as far back as. I mean forever I mean my and my parents can tell you too I remember there was always music playing um especially when I think back it's like they might be giants and beach boys and uh my parents had this Austin Powers soundtrack and there's just I remember I was just immersed in music immediately and I enjoyed it so much and I was always kind of interested in the behind the scenes stuff too um so so yeah and then i i learned about uh a lot of alternative music from my babysitter actually it was uh uh 99.1 whfs that was like that was kind of like um i mean i guess where um it was kind of downhill from there with like Link 182, Good Charlotte, mm-hmm. Sum 41. Um, but I mean it's funny because before that I it was in first grade, maybe I was listening to Backstreet Boys in Sync. And um, you know, I still admire those bands. I mean, I still have this pop sensibility in a lot of my um production stuff. So well, I don't listen to them real too much anymore. Um, they're still, you know, with me. But uh anyway, yeah, so a lot of whfs and those bands i still listen to today and yeah started playing drums around 10 11. so i think like 2004 uh and started taking lessons uh did that for about eight years uh before i went to college um and then i mean started playing in bands when i was about 12. yeah um like yeah kind of just like a year or two after i started taking lessons because i I remember i i just loved the aspect of a band and especially a rock band i thought i thought that was so cool um and then i started getting into some bands there was this uh, place called music workshop uh, off york road and i got into some bands there and i'm still friends with some of those people i i play with today uh what else uh I played in jazz band all three years of middle school. And that was <laughs> interesting because it was a whole different ballpark and I had to learn how to read music and, Oof. and I, 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 hit really hard. I hit, I, I played way too loud and I kind of still do today. Uh, <laughs> I would tell my people like my, the conductor used to be like one and a two and a Jack play soft. And it would be, every, every single time. uh, so yeah. Um, played in the liturgy band in high school played in a couple musicals in high school that was cool um and yeah and then got into some more semi-serious bands throughout high school and college and um in one now and um i play some cover gigs yeah uh, it you know it's a lot
0: <laughs> no no i i dig it and you know in in many respects when you when you mentioned like kind of like you're what like 28 29 something like that 29. and yeah so like looking at it, i was like yeah you've grown up in this 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 kind of space when you mentioned like yeah you know i was 10 and this album came i was like excuse me what <laughs> i i know well yeah and now i'm i'm looking at you know like enema of the state
1: turned i think 20 oh no uh, i mean i mean it's Don't. over 20 and that even that in itself is insane to me and it it's it scares the crap out of me but
0: yeah don't don't do it to yourself like and, and, and it's yeah. funny you know uh um, hfs was kind of like one of the things that brought me in like i i lived right at that kind of baltimore towson line and uh that govins area and i was just like like kind of messing with the doll one day and i was like what the hell is this? And Lincoln park brought me in. That's, that's, that's ultimately what pulled me in. And, and that kind of helped develop like my love for like talk radio and some of that stuff earlier in the day with uh, the sports junkies and all of that stuff. And then later in the day, it's like, Oh, we're going to flip formats and we're, we're, well, we're going to flip to more music oriented stuff. And then when the formats flipped, I was like, I'm sitting there listening. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And, I kinda shifted to uh K Rock and I was you know doing that for a while. So I'm very much in those sensibilities. And uh yeah. So and 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 as a music lover, like I'm I'm a person person that enjoys music. I dig music. I, you know, I'm doing a project that's coming up soon. And the organizers asked me, they was like, Would you would you be interested in like curating like a list of songs that you like? I was like, look, I got some stuff. I got some stuff now. <laughs> I think there's certain skills, like obviously training's a piece of it, obviously school and repetition. What is it? The 10,000 hours, or I'm hearing a new one that it's really probably 10 years, really. That's, that's kind of the thing. Uh, what skills and I'm, and I'm looking for something that falls out of that sort of natural, Hey, I, you know, I drummed here for a while, or I did that, I hung in bands, but something that, you gained that makes you feel like you're really effective as a musician or as a per as a music person because you're more than just a musician you're a music person
1: <laughs> yeah um i'd say dealing with people is is a big thing uh i just from being in bands at such an early age learning how to interact with musicians not not only in a musical standpoint but yeah. in emotional standpoint and and being their friend and uh you know, understanding, understanding people, uh, you know, it really, it's cliche, but I would say a band really is like a marriage and you, you need to know those persons, you know, strengths and weaknesses and what, um, pushes their buttons and what they enjoy. Um, and I actually have, I've been working at Towson university for close to 10 years now, since i Uh, since I was a student and a lot of that is dealing with clients. And I think even that just gives me a little, even that much more experience um, with, with that. And, um, and then, yeah, I mean, as far as a musical standpoint, just practicing with music that you love and just listening to tons of music. it, It sounds so simple, but, Uh, even from a um, production standpoint or a mixing standpoint, the more you listen to music, the more I feel inspired to keep creating, but also I get motivated to, you know, make a record that sounds like what I love. How can I take my, my material to the next level and, and be like this band or be like this producer. Um, So, so that, it's really huge and just um i've learned to just keep staying in time you know learning how to play with a click track and and being um just keeping a solid tempo because that's huge with the studio and then also learning knowing when to improvise that that's yeah. another thing with doing the sub doing the cover gig stuff i've been doing more recently in fell's point a lot of the set lists yeah. that. I, I take that back. They're not really any set list. They're they're they just I'm just throwing songs, and it's important to be have an open mind and one from the get go know a bunch of songs like all the classics, but also know how to improvise and put your own spin on things and be your own musician and not have it be this you know stale you know kind of just going right off of the recording because yeah. yeah. If someone wants to listen to the recording, they'll listen to the recording. Yeah, I I like to put my own spin on things and and I that's, I'm always flattered when people ask me to play on their stuff because I'm like, Well, like any drummer can like play at the same beat, but but everyone really does have different ways of doing things and it's um yeah that's what makes music so fun for me
0: (laughs) yeah and and that actually gave me like this sort of like like secondary like question with that of uh so what do you recently right um what is what is something that you found really tricky in terms of the improvisation there like because i because i dig that notion of going to see music live right and and i know that's something that we, the way that we do it has changed considerably over the last few years and i remember uh i think it was maybe 2019 or the tail end of 2018 and i went to see uh with my, with my girl i wanted to see uh toro iwa in dc and i was just like this is great and he was debuting a new album and all of that stuff and it's this one track on there um who am i and i was like this is amazing and the album comes out around the time of my birthday the so i'm like yeah this is gonna be great i get up have it loaded to spotify and i'm like let's go i get in there and he changed the mix i was like oh this sounds different i was uh-huh. like, yeah the lyrics are great the live version was better so i had that live experience as my reference point for the first time i've heard that song so that's that's my thinking then like live music so definitely when someone adds a little stank to it something different I dig that. And so for you, when you're doing something live, when you're improvising, um, when you're working on a a tune, because you said you're throwing songs at times, um, what was something that comes to mind? I was like, this was a complicated improv. This was we were trying to figure it out. Yeah. So
1: usually if, you know, the musician will turn around to me, I do a lot of duos. They'll turn around and say, do you know this? this song and a lot of times i'll just lie and say i do (laughs) and they'll just they'll just play it um and even if i say no we'll we'll do it anyway you know i'll usually say like you know give me like um give me like four bars and then i'll come in afterward just so i get like the general groove but a lot of the stuff that you know especially the bar tunes is essentially kind of the same the same groove you know and i if i get a little leeway like i said i can get um i can get into it um the the trickiest stuff is when the songs have a lot of kind of parts to it when it's not just kind of like a straight thing or you know like i would say when someone asks me to play message in a bottle by the police it's it's always different. And Stuart Copeland didn't even play that song the same way every time in the studio. And he is such a better drummer than me Uh, anyway, but I always feel I kind of get this, I get this kind of feeling that, Oh, I'm not going to do this song justice. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to kind of fail this song. You know what I mean? But in, in, The bar context, no one, no one cares. You're really just there to have a good time, but also you have to know who you're playing with because that will change the game as well. Uh, You know, I, I play with several different people. And if musician a plays message in a bottle, it will definitely be different than the way musician B plays it. Now it's going to have the same essence, of course, but You know, I've found over the years that, you know, a lot of people don't play the recording, play the song exactly like the recording and put their own spin, which I can I can respect. But you also have to at the same time, you have to be cognizant that I'm learning the song sometimes on the fly. And if I did have an opportunity to learn the song I learned it from the recording. We didn't have rehearsal. Gotcha. I, it's very rare um that I have any sort of rehearsal with with a with a cover with a cover band. With with my original bands that's a different story and writing
0: music of course but yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that a bit. Um, I think, I think this one is, is this, is kind of like pre rapid fire, but I want to get more of a, a brief answer on this one. Cause I just added it. So I just want to get something that's brief on it. Um, so peeling back the onion a little bit, um, as a creative and working with creatives, um, uh, musicians, artists, all of that good stuff and spending a long time, a big chunk of your life. And again, I'm kind of mesmerized with the age thing. Uh, what like secret or trait do most creative people share? Like, what is that thing? Is it courage? Is it fear? Is it, you know, the desire to create, I guess? What is that trait for you? If you were to peel the onion back and it's like, here's the dirty little secret about creatives. It's it's funny and, and this isn't to rip
1: on all singers, songwriters, but I truly believe that, anyone super creative or especially especially singer songwriters there's like some screw loose in their head (laughs) like it's i i found they can they can write i've worked with some people they can write some of the best songs i've ever heard but there's some sort of personality thing going on that they're not that they're not easy to work with or they're they're like keeping themselves from being able to take that next step uh, creatively. And, uh, but, but it kind of goes back to like what I said about dealing with people, you need to just know, you know, how to get, get through to them and get the most out of them and the best out of them. And um, that's really, you know, what I do as a producer Yeah. also when back in the day when i was doing playing in original bands it was the same kind of thing you got you got to be friends with with the people you're working with and then if you if you can't be then there are other people that would probably will will respect you more for what you do and the ideas you have to bring to the table and um and you know you'll work with them but it's it's usually I. I get along with most musicians. It just kind of depends on what wavelengths we're on, what kind of music we're interested in, what our philosophies are with
0: production and how things sound. So where is that sort of common ground at? And, uh, you know, in me doing this, you can imagine that I'm bringing in various guests, doing research, all of that different stuff. It's definitely similar. And there's probably probably about a handful of just they didn't didn't work out. It's rare that I do a free conversation. It, it, we're improving right now, you know, if you think about it. And uh it, it's rare that I say, hey, let's have a pre-talk. No, everybody's busy. You know, here's the questions. You've got any questions, let's let's talk about it. But really, you know, it's getting into it. And in generally, they, they the conversations go well. And I have one example with a guest that he wanted to chat beforehand and i'm glad we did because he was a dick and i was like oh i'm glad this didn't turn into a podcast it's just it would have wasted both of our time yeah. and you know it's a few people that they just you know came into it cuz there's you know it's probably about 10 episodes that were recorded that I was just like i can't use and it's the nature of you know people just not taking it serious uh, people just like preoccupied with something else and they're into it, but I think they're into it, the idea of, I, I wanna have my story out there, but me in being the producer, being the editor, being the curator, I, I'm trying to be considerate of, this doesn't make you look good. This actually makes you look bad. So knowing what comes out in that final wash, but again, it's knowing that people are sensitive. So if I tell someone like, yo, this sucked, uh, we should probably do this again you know, had to be mindful of that, but really has the feeling, you know, it's like, ah, this didn't go well, we should do this again. Um, so yeah, that's that's something like definitely when you're doing things that feel improvisational, when you're doing things that you're you're working in many pockets, like you're like I said, it's you're a music person, you're more than the musician. Uh, you know, you, everything is in that title. And I, that's the way I kind of look at w- what I'm doing. I'm facilitating the storytelling. I'm not doing a storytelling, I'm facilitating it. And if it makes a person come out not great, it's like trying to be able to get past it and get into a place where a person can trust you like with sharing their story for one. Cause sometimes, you know, it's like, the reason I started doing this artwork is because a relative passed. And I was like, that's a really emotional story. Thank you for sharing that. I wanna do it justice mm-hmm. In in the ultimate edit, yeah i i think it's important to uh, and that's why i'm I'm really into doing
1: pre-production what before i start working on records is just to kind of learn what the artist's vision is and to see if i truly think that i can help them get there and if our you know our philosophies kind of match um you know because sometimes yeah just I'll have to say, you know, I don't think I'm the best person for the job and and, you know, I th- I wish you all the best, but it just from our conversations and just what I've gathered, uh, I think, you know, um, yeah something else uh, should happen. So that I, and I've learned that over the years, uh, it's not always been the case. Sometimes I'll just go into a project and not, you know, Oh, cool music. I'm going to make music, but (laughs) it really, it really is more than just writing songs and pressing record and, you know, shooting them out on Spotify. Like it's really,
0: it's an investment of time of energy of, you know, when you're working hours upon hours on a thing like, you know, this was a light week for me th- this week, you know, it's like only five interviews I was doing. But in it it is like, you know, I would tell people like, you know, it's probably like two to three hours put into the production cycle for one podcast. So the moment when someone and I would imagine the same thing applies from the studio standpoint, right? Where someone just doesn't show up. And you're like, I'm booked, everything is ready to go. And like, I'm not going to get that three hours back. So, you know, and it's like, let's pivot, you know, if we need to, but just kind of understand like what goes in it. It's not just like, we're recording this. I don't do, I don't send out unedited podcasts, you know what I mean? Like, let's levelate this a little bit. And even today I put out a second episode and the guest hit me like yesterday. You know, there's a part when I talk about this thing, can you just remove it? It's like, sure. And me and him did this interview like a month ago. And I was like, you sat on that one for a while, bro, didn't you? (laughs) And and that's just what it is. But I think having that, that, that leeway and that sort of like flexibility to, to do that sort of thing. Um, so I, I want to talk about like all the venues, cause that's what you've done. All the venues you've worked in, you've played in all the venues, virtually all the venues. So if you will describe your first gig, like one that's like yeah, this one sticks out. And I know, you know, you you were describing like, what, 12, I believe was, you know, when you first started playing in the bands or what have you. But describe your your first gig and something that was a very memorable gig. It may have been something weird happened. It may have been like, yo, this was the gig where they threw a pizza at the drummer. And I was like, whoa, no. And the drummer yeah. was me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Luckily, that hasn't happened yet um yeah i mean I, i'll preface yeah it's a little exaggeration I, I don't think i've played every single venue in baltimore but all it's good the line, though it's all, good the, line. all the big ones you know that stage ram's head you know i mean the list goes on but any that just a general music lover would would know around baltimore um i've played but um honestly probably around 2005, I want to say, was my first gig. It was probably the record theater in Towson with one of the bands I was in at the music workshop. Um, I was in a bunch of different bands, but I think we were called Ostracize. And uh, (laughs) I'm still friends with uh, most of those guys that was in the band. Um, You know, I don't think we were very good or at least up to the standards that i have now i i am think i'm sure you could find some videos somewhere uh and cringe along but um but no i i remember being really excited though because i grew up going to the record theater yeah. watching bands i loved and and i it was so weird just standing on that that stage i thought it was it was i thought it was like off limits to me it was really weird like i thought you like had to be famous to stand (laughs) on the stage Like i was was so immature about the whole thing I i didn't understand any of it i just knew okay they're putting a drum kit up there for me i'm just gonna play the crap out of it and do my thing um and but i'll never i'll never forget it it was that was uh that was amazing and then uh Honestly, the show that sticks out the most is my former band, The Chance, open for the band Tonight Alive. There, they were a pretty pretty big band at the time they're from australia they were a a pop punk alternative band and uh i still it's funny i i remember the day i got the email that we were playing i was in sociology class at towson and i remember just being like yes like audibly in (laughs) in the whole class I, i got the email i'm just like you know dicking around on my computer and i get the email and yeah we got to open for tonight live it was so awesome it was a packed house and funny enough uh the band Echo Smith who's arguably bigger than Tonight Alive now they were the first band on the bill they had, were just starting now they have that a uh, cool kids song I don't, I don't know if you know them but yeah. but yeah so they played and yes that was Autobar in like i think 2013 i want to say like in nice. the fall and that was surreal they were they were so nice and and yeah, we had so much fun. But we were nervous though. We were, we were nervous as hell. Because there's a line out the door. And I remember walking walking past the line. Oh, that's the that's the drummer of the Chance. <laughs> friend, friend chat. Oh, that's the guitar player of Chance like you're like, "What?" <laughs> but it, it, it's fine I think back now.
0: Yeah, I I I think I I still get caught on it. Uh, I still get the even now I get the nerves uh in in going on stage just to do my thing and ultimately I try to bring it back to like, really, what am I doing? I'm just talking to people who are more talented than me. That's really what it is. Right. And, but I remember it was one year I, I was doing a Baltimore podcast festival and, uh, and I'm on there and it's a group and I've never done like a festival. I'm like, okay, what is this going to be about? And I'm still friends with the, uh, the podcasters that went on after me and my, my ex co-host. And I just remember I got starstruck with this, this one thing. The bar the bartender at um what was it? Uh, uh wind up space. That, that just to set the stage. Uh it was such a weird thing. He was like, uh the bartender was like, oh, you guys drink for free. You guys are the talent. I was like, the talent? I was like, oh, this is so new for me. And yeah. uh and I had like a double shot of whiskey. I forgot everything I was supposed to say before getting on the stage. I was like, oh, oh no, yeah. I'm doing the intro. Oh no, I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's
1: <laughs> it's always it's always crazy being on on stage for the first time but but then when especially when you start interacting with the audience it i it starts to get more comforting i think and um and yeah and i've met a lot of my i mean i've been blessed to meet a i've been able to meet a lot of my idols over the years and they really are just people and you know nice I've always had good interactions. So
0: that's dope. So I got, I got, I going to, I going to bring these two together. I want to talk about, um, tell us about Ocano sound. Let's just talk about it. Sure. Yeah. So, so that's
1: my studio and really, you know, anything musically involving me. Uh, and I started, I started saving up for recording gear in high school. It's like working at a, coffee shop and, um, saved up for gear. And I was always interested in behind the scenes stuff, uh, with music. So I, I started reading more into, uh, productions of music. I liked and, and started learning, uh, pro tools in college. That was, that was what, That was what they they taught us and i got some hands-on studio experience on a on a console and had a big live room at the center for the arts and and yeah i i just realized i i loved just taking taking songs and bringing them to life so then when i when i graduated college i started taking it a little more seriously and i started recording um my friends music and and then it developed into to more artists and uh, one thing i really i realized i really enjoy is helping singer songwriters help their vision come to life i uh, they a lot of times they'll come to me and they'll be able to you know sing and play guitar and even bass on the record but they need a drummer so i'll wind up playing drums on their record and but it also will help me facilitate you know the production of it and it helps me you know start from scratch give make a song skeleton and get a first draft of it and then um yeah we'll track drums and go from there yeah but um but yeah so i do production mixing engineering and session drumming um on mo most of my most of my productions i've been handing off mixing a little bit to um to some people that i trust but but yeah um and yeah just try to make a cool environment for the artist and just make them excited about what they're working on and and want to you know push themselves and put
0: out cool music and yeah it's fantastic um so I want to ask about uh collaborating. I believe you are you're, you're in a band with your brother was that a Backyard Games? Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh I'm in a band with my
1: brother called yeah, called Backyard Games and we uh it's 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 a long story but basically my there was a period in time when I was uh living with my mom and my brother and my my brother and i kind of always had a somewhat of a similar interest in music but there was there was a point in time where uh, uh my brother danny picked up a guitar and just started writing songs uh in particular i remember modern baseball was a band that i liked that danny got into and he started writing these songs and and they were just super quirky but they were I thought they were brilliant and just super, super catchy. And we, because I was learning recording at the same time, I would just demo them out his songs and we got excited about them. So we, um, yeah, eventually we decided, okay, here's a body of songs that we're uh, both really stoked on. So let's record them. So we we have like a 17 song album that i'm constantly working on unfortunately with my full-time job and you know other uh other artists i'm working with it's not always the first priority um but but yeah it's been it's been a really interesting thing you know being with my being with my brother and you know we butt heads a lot it's not always uh (laughs) we don't always see eye to eye my brother is the main songwriter but i'm the one you know kind of producing everything so especially when you know Um, Danny lives in Colorado so we're there's this distance and when we worked on the record he came in and recorded all the vocals and all the acoustic guitar and kind of set the stage but then it was kind of like okay I'm moving uh, you know you can have free reign and finish everything so. Actually, the quarantine was one of the reasons why I got so much work done from it, because I wound up outsourcing musicians and I made this big Excel spreadsheet of like notes for each musician. And I, I sent them out, uh, these guys in Portugal, that that's a whole whole other story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm a part of this thing called Now the Mix. And I met these guys in Portugal and they're awesome musicians. So bass and guitar and a bunch of editing um and now mixing are all outsourced um uh, shout out to tiago carvalho who's um basically an assistant for me now he's he's such an awesome friend and mentor to me he's been a huge part of part of uh, the backyard games music in particular getting that done but um but yeah so we're we're we started playing live shows once we got our first song out which was last year and it's reactions have been awesome so much better than I thought uh, they would be I'm actually playing my first show with him in a while um, next week in uh, New York City so that's a great
0: and yeah. we're, we're we're a big fan of brothers on this podcast uh, I have a younger brother he's like my biggest fan in podcasting so uh, shout out to Rudy yeah, uh, yeah. So this is the last real question I have, and then I got some rapid fire questions for you. Sure. And and this one I had to, you know, really, really think about it. Cause um, because I, I used to just ask it as, you know, when is creative work ready to share? But I want to preface it a little bit. I think music has a quick cycle. There's always something dropping. You know, we have, oh, this is the new releases that are coming out on Fridays. And mm-hmm. it feels more like pushing out content versus making art. When and from your vantage point, when do you feel like you know, creative work is ready to share, not necessarily, it's finished, you know, like, hey, I, I, you know, we've mastered this, everything is good. But from an emotional standpoint, from a creative sensibility, when is creative work ready to share? So as
1: soon as I'm ready to share um, something I've been working on with someone, I, and I believe it's the best I can possibly make it, I think it's ready to share. Now, for someone like me, I can be my own roadblock a lot of times because of my um, insane attention to detail. That my 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 friends will tell you, and anyone that's worked with me will, will tell you. But so I can be a little bit of a perfectionist, but I also I don't want to put anything out that I'm not a hundred percent, you know, emotionally fulfilled by, and know that um, you know others will enjoy listening to it uh but 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 really i think it's as simple as that if if i'm excited about it it's it's ready to go and and it's it's just it's sounding like like it should like it should if i if i'm working on something and i listen to it and i think it's not you know the instrumentation isn't supporting each other or you know just the song itself isn't working then I'll keep at it you know and and it I don't unless I have a hard deadline or something you know luckily I haven't really worked with you know sign bands or anything where I have those kind of deadlines but but I'll I'll work as hard on it until it's
0: it's right I could dig it yeah so I want to it's move to the rapid fire portion of the podcast uh it's gonna it's gonna get ridiculous it's gonna get goofy i'm just letting you know
1: i'll I'll try not to like ramble
0: ramble on you'll you'll have to cut me off oh these are these are as brief as possible um sometimes they're just one word answers. sometimes it's like this is what it is all right so uh i got five of them for you uh first one what's that one album that you could listen to for the rest of your life i'm going to make it a song but i think i think album is a little bit more um, prudent easy answers and i'm of the state
1: by blink-182 without that album i i don't know if i would have even started playing
0: drums or gotten into music as deeply as i am now <laughs> Nice, and and I'm glad that I kind of went with that question because I had what was your favorite Blink 182 album, and I was like, nah, nah, oh, now, no, shi- it's now been shifted, now been shifted to this question, so we're good. Yeah, that's that's way too hard, but yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favorite drink? I mean, you mentioned coffee. Uh, you know, uh, musicians and nightlife and all of that has a different vibe as well. So, you know, give us the rundown.
1: Oh man, um, I'm I'm super simple i mean honestly if i could pick margarita if, if but but i'm not i'm not gonna be like chugging margaritas on on stage <laughs> i'm usually that's usually just uh very festive you know like a little vodka soda with a lime but if i'm if i'm out and about margarita for sure you give yes. me a margarita and like some chips and guac i'm happy all day I'll, that's I'll great. all day <laughs> that's
0: great um what is your favorite Post gig activity, like you know, some of us need to come down. Some of us like, I'm just gonna hang out for a little while. I'm gonna definitely grab something to eat. What is that for you? What is that post-gig activity for you?
1: So a lot of my gigs are super late at night. This is a bad habit I've tried to get out of, but there really is nothing like winding down. Um, you know, I'll probably ice my arms a little bit or my hands and I'll get Royal farms and I'll sit down and watch like some South park or something like that's how lame, lame. I am. Um, if I'm playing with a friend, you know, or something, we'll, we'll hang out after the show. But honestly, a lot of times the bar is closed after the gig. So we can't just chill afterward. But, um, you know, or like if I'm if it's with my brother, we'll we'll hang with with his friends or or something. But yeah, that's yeah. <laughs>
0: that's. It. I mean, you know, as long as you're you're getting like the the chicken tendies from the rural farms, then you know we're oh, good. Man. Chicken tenders and fries always all day
1: always. nice two a.m. snack. I uh-huh. love it.
0: Um, I I have one that's really ridiculous. I'm gonna save for the last one. So, uh-huh. what is your uh, favorite movie genre? My father would say screwball comedies.
1: He always gets mad at me. I'll be like, be like, hey dad, you want to watch a movie? He'll be like, No, Jackie, I don't want not, to not a screwball comedy. Not a screwball comedy. And but so that's honestly, that's probably it. I do love a good like psychological thriller, though. Yeah. No, those are those are awesome. But you know, like Adam Sandler was my first.
0: I know. got it. <laughs> that's nice. Now, this is the last one. This is so ridiculous, but you know, I you know, as I kind of touched on earlier, some of the bands you mentioned earlier as far as inspiration. I'm on the same page. You know, HFS, the whole thing, K Rock, the whole thing. I pay attention to minutia when it comes to music. Could you, since you're a drummer, could you describe the drummer face? And I think you know what I'm talking about. The
1: drummer face. Yeah. I, I've been told I I make a lot of weird faces. <laughs> Um, the drummer face is something that all drummers need to look past because th- if you think about it, you get su- super self-conscious. You start thinking about it, and you'll you'll screw up the gig. But drummer face is anything that gives you that extra, like five percent, I guess, to like just lay in to the kit. And, uh, to me, like I've been told. People tell me that I look like I want to actually like murder my drum set. Sometimes when I, when I play, um, I like, I like smile a lot and just do like a, just a, a, just a mean mug kind of thing. That's amazing. uh, Yeah, no drummer faces are, are, are weird, but you can't, you can't be ashamed of it. Everyone's got their own. And honestly, like, I would rather have a drummer face and like look excited when I'm playing than just be like the, you know, just be still the whole time. Like no one, you know, I, I, I've always say like, I can be watching like the shittiest band on stage. If they're having a good time, who am I to judge? You know what I mean? Like if they're doing their thing and they're enjoying themselves, then all the power to them, you know, that's kind of my same philosophy with, you know, the drumming face and and being you know, being excited when you're when you're on stage.
0: So I, I dig it. And um, yeah, I, I, the the last thing I'll say with that, I, I agree one hundred percent. And I just remember uh, going to maybe a uh, convention. I think it was um, a comic convention, and I just remember being there and initially I wanted to be I wanted to be too cool for it. I was like, hey man, I don't know about this and then I just see people really enjoying the thing that they enjoy. Without and I was like that's the thing, and it's like and when you're going for it and you're in it, it was like um, a dude taking a he was in a full cosplay as a uh, blade, and he really was in it. he had the gun, he had the sword, he did his pose, he had the fangs. I was like that guy's going for it. I respect it, and I think that's the same thing. It's like you're performing, just be into the thing that you're doing, have a good time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I play. Santeria
1: by Sublime, like every single night I play the bar gig and yeah, is it my favorite song to play? No, but I'm just, I'm going to look excited and I'm going to get people excited as well. And yeah, if, and even if I'm not excited and I see someone else excited, then that's, that's all that matters
0: to me, you know? So with that, I want to thank you for for coming on to the podcast, and I want to invite and encourage you to tell a fine folks where to check out on social media, website, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, so
1: my uh, studio, O'Connell Sound, is at www.oconnellsound.com. You can also find me on Instagram at jackondrums and at O'Connell Sound. Um, my band Backyard Games is on Instagram as well at Backyard Games Music, and uh, we have a Linktree as well, just Linktree slash Backyard Games. And yeah, I'm gonna I'm putting out a lot more music with Backyard Games, as well as um, I've been working with uh, my friend Mikey, who goes by the name Thong DeLong on um, on Twitch. That's we're, nice. We're putting out some new covers. And yeah, got a bunch of new projects I'm producing that I'm really excited about. That just stay tuned for. But yeah, um, just yeah, follow me at a Jack on Drums, and that'll be that. Should be you know where you'll find everything about me.
0: So, well, there you have it, folks. Again, I want to thank uh, Jack O'Connell for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee, saying that there's art, music in and around your neck of the woods. You just have to look for it.